Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. continue number three in this series. Um, I like to start off the year always talking about just moving forward. This series is called Move Forward. And, you know, eventually, really starting next week, how many more weeks do we have till the 28th? I don't know. Is there one more, two more? We'll get a couple more in. On the 28th, Chris and, Chris and Shay, or probably one of oh, their Shay over here, uh, they're going to jump up here and tell their testimony, and it's powerful. And I really recommend if you have people that, you know, they're so open with their struggle, but if you have people that are in addiction of any kind or really just, you know, you feel like this might be a good op- they don't. People, I've got some friends in my life that are family members that don't really like church. This will be a good weekend to bring them because they will not just hear the gospel. They will see the effects of it. Amen? And that's what we want, you know? That's what this church exists for. That's why Sarah and I decided to start this and be in ministry was because I know the gospel is powerful, right? And it's one thing to stand and teach and go line upon line and memorize the Bible, but that doesn't do you a whole lot of good if it's not effective in your life. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And salvation is restoration, redemption, healing, wholeness, soundness, preservation, and provision. It's complete. We have a complete salvation in Jesus. And if we're not experiencing those elements of salvation, even though we might know it, what good is it? In fact, it is you, the most frustrated person, people group that I've encountered are people that know the Bible, but it's not working for them. I'm telling you, makes people mean. Makes people focused on, but I'm right. Well, how's that working for you? You know what I mean? The gospel is powerful. Show me your life. Show me your testimony. That's that's why this church exists, you know? You're not going to get the line upon line. We do have courses where we do that, but I'm telling you, I want you to walk out of here with hope. I want you to walk out of here thinking, man, you know what? It could get better because God promised that it could in every area of my life. Amen? So that's what we're talking about is hope. This will transition into, you know, you taking those ideas that you have and moving forward with the dreams and the passions on your heart, the godly ones. And and because we all have some sort of ministry, right? We all have some sort of passion in our heart from God that is that lights our own fire as well that we want to step out in. And that's what we're going to get to is where we're kind of shaping that up a little bit. But it never fails that when you start talking about moving beyond where you currently are and acting out on those passions and those desires, godly desires to actually impact the world with the love of God, when you start talking about moving beyond your current bubble, you got to deal with some stuff. It comes up. All your stuff is like, okay, I'm going to go where I've never been before. Mm-mm, you ain't doing that. You got to deal with this. You know, it's like your heart will serve things up to you to remind you, nope, we're staying right here. We like it here. This is comfortable. This is familiar. We're not going over there. And, and there things will come up in your mind and in your heart, and you will even create chaos 
in your life and in your relationships to stay where you are. But we need to move forward. Amen? So when we get to the place where we start actually digging deep down, it's like I've got this thing in me that I've never done anything with or I used to do something with it and then I've stopped. And, and it's like, and I'm not just talking about a mission trip to Mexico. You know what I mean? It might be this woodworking thing that you do that opens up something that God does with that. It might be this pottery thing. It might be recording your songs. It might be starting an addiction recovery something. You know, ministry is very entrepreneurial. And it's like, what are you going to do? I mean, you've got something within you. Let's do something with that, right? Now, God still loves you. Your purpose is fulfilled if you accept Christ. In other words, the reason that you were created was to be a child of God. You receive Christ, your purpose, the why that God created you is finished. But your calling is something that because you're a child of God now, God will call you into an area to represent him. Amen? So there's a difference between purpose and calling. Your purpose is Jesus. Thank you. And be at peace. Amen? So moving forward, I'm going to get a little bit technical today. Uh, you know, we've talked about, so the first week we talked about hope. Hope is confident expectation. We are constantly disappointed because we have our expectation in a specific outcome or another person. And hope deferred or set aside that doesn't come to fruition makes the heart sick. We talk so much about the heart in here. The heart is where God sheds his love, and it is that love shed abroad in your heart that brings you to wholeness. That wholeness that you're looking for, that, that fulfillment that you're looking for, even the fulfillment of being free from sin habits, even that kind of freedom, that comes, as in Ephesians 3, it says that God sheds his love abroad in your heart. And to the degree that you experience it, it brings wholeness to you. You need wholeness. You need to experience the love of God in your heart. It's pretty simple. And worship is a huge way. Just let him love you. And it brings a wholeness. That out of that wholeness, you sprout into all the things that you think that you have to do to be a good Christian. It just naturally will grow out of that stuff, out of wholeness, right? So, but hope is expectation, and it's confident. It's, hope is not just optimism. You know, there's a difference between optimism and hope. Optimism has to do with your outlook. It's like, I just have a, I just have a positive outlook. You know, we're not just talking about positive thinking here, because I'm going to go into some uh, scientific stuff today, and we're not just talking about positive thinking. We're talking about hope, an actual uh, uh, like power, a force almost within you, like a, like like. Maybe somebody that's a gardener, you know what like can describe whatever the process a root goes through when it draws nutrients out of the ground. That would be what hope is. It's like hope is the power of you putting your hope into God and drawing something out of Him. You expect to interact with God. Your hope is I'm digging into God to draw something out of him. And see, we, draw, we put our hope into a specific outcome, right? And so what if it doesn't happen? What if you don't get that job? What if that spouse doesn't change? 
What if your kids are still nuts? What if the wrong president gets into office? You know what I mean? You've got your hope dug into that thing. It's going to shrivel up and die. Are you following me? But over and over and over and over, we're instructed to put our hope in the Lord, and he will never fail. You can always expect God to be God. You know, and so we talk a lot about who is God. Well, he's good. You know, all the names and attributes that he's given, that's who you have to, you only have the legal right to believe that God is who he himself has said he is. Not, well, I went through this, so therefore I think God is this. No, you don't get to define God by your circumstances. You only get to define God by who he has revealed himself to be. And so even if there's an attribute of his character that you don't either understand or you're not experiencing, you still have to get over your thoughts and your experience and your circumstances and put your expectation into him. It's just basic discipleship. It's basic discipline 101. It's like, I see that God is this. I see that he promised and says that he's this. My life doesn't reflect that. I'm not going to water down his character to match who I think he should be based on what I've gone through. I'm going to say, nope, whatever it is that I'm believing is obviously not accurate. I'm putting my hope in him. And so I'm going to draw on him in the area of he's my peace. He is my righteousness. He is my provider. Amen? That job is not your provider. He is your provider. He might have just arranged you to be in that situation for a little while to draw provision, but that could change like that. I, was, mm, I heard that one. I feel you. So put your hope in the Lord and expect that he will be God in your life. Amen? He's faithful. And then last week we talked about being emotionally involved with the word of God. Like, that, like not just knowing it, but do something with it. Let's look at Joshua 1.8. You know, Joshua came out of uh, the desert with Moses, and it was Joshua who was picked to lead the Israelites on into the promised land and fight and defeat all these giants. You know, I think about how, I wonder how many times Joshua thought back to this and took himself through this process when they came across another tribe of giants. It's like, all right, all right that's interesting. This tribe of giants, boy, they have metal armor, and their wheels are metal. metal. Those guys had wooden wheels on their chariots. Let's see, God, I need some help. Okay, and he goes back to this, right? I mean, the giants get bigger and stronger, but Joshua keeps on, right? So this is the instruction that we have. This book of the law. Now, the law for us is instruction. Jesus fulfilled the law. It doesn't mean we throw it away. We just put it in the right place. The law was given to reveal sin, right? It did that. Jesus then came to remove sin for those who would believe in him. Amen? Now, you can still sin if you want to, but why would you want to? Stop it. It's killing you. Isn't it? All right, so the law is not a standard that you got to live up to, right? You're not going to look for laws to try to figure out how to perfectly obey God. You're looking for his instruction to let it influence your thinking 
so that you will follow God out of this heart that he's given you. Are you with me? This book of law or instruction shall not depart, there's four, there's four main points here, out of your mouth. It's his instruction in your mouth. I mean, when was the last time you just took a scripture and said it that related to your specific area? You shall meditate in it day and night, this instruction. Do you do that? You know, we think meditation is, oh, <laughs> bing, oh, you know, like we all need those little finger symbols or something. No, you meditate all the time. You call it worry. <laughs> worry is meditation because worry is something that you, you just think until you feel something. That's meditation. We're really good at it. We just do it for wrong the wrong way, right? But you can choose to meditate on who God is until you feel something. That's meditation. Now, science shows us that that then actually produces physical changes in our bodies, that then your desires begin to change. So we'll get there in just a second. All right, so the second thing, meditate on it day and night. <clears throat> that you may observe to do according to all that is written. So don't just know it, do it. James says the same thing, right? Don't just know it, do it. Act on it. I see this as when I've got a particular area that I'm dealing with and I, I go and I seek out God's instruction or his wisdom or his thinking in this area and I meditate on it and if I'm thinking about it and then a specific action, like an idea for an action comes up, do it. Act on it, Right? We think, well, that'd be a good idea. I wonder how that'd work out. And then we move on, and we think, God, why didn't you show up for me? He's like, <laughs> then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Who wants to be prosperous and have success? Whatever that looks like for you, you can limit that as much as you want, and filter that through your theology as much as you want and say, well, God said this and he didn't say blah, 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 whatever. You, you figure all that out. I don't care. I want unlimited prosperity and unlimited success. According to his riches, he shall meet all my needs. Amen? Let's just not limit him. So, but this, to me, that process reflects what Paul says in Romans. And let's flip over to Romans 2. Uh, 12 2, I'm sorry, Romans 12 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And conform has to do with thoughts. Conform is to shape yourself into an image. Don't shape yourself into patterns of the world, thought patterns. You know, there's so much instruction of thought in the word. Don't shape yourself into the way that, you know, like Matt and Amanda here, the world would say, you got a, you got a brain tumor, you're not going to do chemo? What's wrong with you? You're crazy. Well, now you've experienced success. It's gone. Say, it's gone. Now, think about that. Honestly, think about them. You know, they're a sweet couple. They're probably easy to think about. You know, it's like, the, like they're rude people or something like that, you know what I mean? But I mean, you think about that. Just, let's just do that just for a right? There was a tumor in his brain. And you said an edema, which is like a vein or something that's doing something it's not supposed to. Swelling. Something was there, and it's not there. 
You know, it's like something is there and it's not there. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, how does that make you feel? I can hear you. Some of you are thinking, well, what she do that for me? Wants it for everybody. Yo, selfish thing, you get over yourself. <laughs> Be happy for them. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed as you get more sinless. Be transformed when you memorize the Bible. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what's God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. To me, three adjectives describing the same thing, good, pleasing, and perfect, is his will. Not, well, you're in the good will of God when you're way over here, and then you're in the pleasing God when you're in will, and then you're in the perfect will here. There's no, there's no indication that that's the accurate interpretation of that. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. So, you know, God is not a wizard where he's like going to conjure up and just, whoop, and just make something happen, right? Like he's going to perform a spell on you that then has an, a result. We think of God as a wizard. It's like, God, I need something, so you need to do it to me. God, I can't get over this sin habit, so you need to give me some self-control. If you really wanted me over this sin habit, you'd give me some self-control and I'd stop. I mean, we're not that crass about it, but that's what we think. You hear it in the area of healing. Well, if he wanted to heal me, then he would. You're saying I have a part to play in receiving? And we're not just talking about healing. We're talking about, trend. We're talking about you being free from that depression. You think God wants you depressed? He wants you fearful, anxious, worried about your kids? Afraid of tomorrow? Broke? No. So there's an interaction that has to happen here. There's an interchange here. I'm, I'm going I'm to go ahead and jump down to this idea because we're talking about a concept of believing God. If you go ahead and pull up that Matthew 11 verse, you can go ahead and put it up there. I was going to have this afterward. But conceptually, this is what we're talking about. Jesus presents this idea. And you can lift this up. It's not out of context because it stands alone conceptually. But let's look at this, Matthew 11 and 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart. See, this isn't, this isn't to have enough faith, right? Like faith is not a commodity that you go out and you try to figure out how to get more of it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go mine up some more faith. You know what I mean? You have enough faith. If you got enough faith to get born again, you have enough faith for anything else that you need to receive from God. Faith is a degree of persuasion versus more of something. 
In other words, how persuaded am I in my heart that God is who he says that he is? That's what determines great faith or little faith, the degree of your confidence in God. Amen? Amen? You want great faith? Be more persuaded that God is who he says that he is. Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say... Now, what you say, remember, back to Joshua 1.8, we have the indication that what needs to be in your mouth, what you say is the instruction of God, right? You don't just make something up that's not scriptural. What you say is the word of God, amen? So, believes what they say will happen. It will be done for them, or it shall come to pass. That phrase, shall come to pass, in the Greek is this Greek phrase. It's one word, shall come to pass. It's the word genomai or genomai or however you say it. But conceptually it means will come into being. There's like a manifestation element to the, to the definition of this word. And it's not magic, it's manifestation. You know, everything that God has for you and need and wants for you, and it's in you in seed form, right? See, we have to understand that God works in, time, in, in seed time and harvest. It's not, I don't have it, I lack it, therefore I need to get it from God. It's no, it's within me in Christ. It's just that to the degree that I trust God in that area, it starts to manifest into my life and then everything else around me rearranges to reflect that. Do you see the difference? You lack nothing. There's not one thing that you need that God hasn't already given to you in Christ. <laughs> 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received, past tense, and it'll be yours. Now, there are some groups that have taken that to mean, you know, jet airplanes and Bugattis and golden driveways into a 24,000 square foot mansion. Whatever, people are going to do what they do. You know what I mean? So don't think that I'm saying that. I mean, I wouldn't mind a Bugatti, you know, but <laughs> speaking it into existence. <clears throat> Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I've been looking at this, uh, this concept of what's called the placebo effect, which I've actually learned there's something called the nocebo effect as well. well I'll talk about that. Now, the reason that I'm going to go into this is to just basically show you there's more going on in your thought life, in your body's response to your thoughts than just thinking. There is scientific and medical evidence that your body responds to your thoughts, okay? Now, I'm not saying that this is the only interpretation of the transformed by the renewing of your mind, but I just want you to have some flesh on this idea that there's science and observable, repetitive, uh, you know, medical evidence that your thoughts affect even your physiology. The real bottom line conclusion to this is your attitude has more to do with your health than anything else, more than the medicine that you take, more than whether you smoke or not, more than whether you stay off sugar or not. Attitude is the main factor in long-term health. I mean, you know, that's just a clinical study. That's not just making up some idea. So 
three, three examples of the placebo effect. You've all heard of the placebo effect, right? It's like you're in a control. It's not like these doctors just say, <laughs> I'm just going to give them a sugar pill, you know? They, they, you enter into this study. You don't know exactly the details of it, but <clears throat> sometimes, you know, there's all different versions of it. But if you've never heard of it, the placebo effect is you're given what amounts to basically a sugar pill or water as an injection or whatever and told this medicine will have this effect and then they observe and many times the effect that that medicine should have actually happens when really you're only taking sugar or water. Does that make sense? Did I say that clear enough? Most of you I'm sure have heard about it. So these are really three significant studies that kind of were turning points in this, this uh, field of study. They even up ended up developing a whole field called psychoneuroimmunology. <coughs> Sounds real smart when you say that. Bert. <laughs> <coughs> All right, it's a 1962 study in Japan on poison ivy. And I think, these poor kids, you know, when you, after you hear this. But anyway, so researchers rubbed one forearm with a poison ivy leaf, but told them the leaf was harmless. And as a control, they rubbed the other child's forearm with a harmless, with a leaf that they told them was harmless, but was actually poison ivy. Guess what happened? All the children developed a rash on the arm that they thought was poison ivy. All of them like 40, 11, oh, it's 13, sorry. 11 of the 13 children developed no rash where the poison ivy actually touched them. 11 of the 13 that are allergic to poison ivy when rubbed with poison ivy but thought it was not poison ivy did not develop a rash. And it was consistent. The conclusion to that one, that uh, study was that thought in the form of expectation could have a greater effect on the body than the actual environment. Remember talking about hope, talking about expectation. Put your hope in the Lord. Now, this is not a way to you to become psychologists where you forget about God and you try to heal thyself with your thoughts. You know what I mean? So don't, don't jump into this ditch. This is just a piece of the puzzle to show you your thoughts affect your body. They're a factor, okay? Now, don't sit there and start thinking, oh my gosh, I've got cancer. It's going to develop into cancer. You know, don't, don't freak yourself out. Just, this is talking about these repetitive thoughts that produce, that you dwell on, you know? So this, this opened the door to a new field of study called psychoneuroimmunology, the effect of thought on the immune system. So here's one on asthma. This is an asthma study. And this is uh, an example of the nocebo effect. Forty patients were given an inhaler with just water, but told that it contained an irritant or an allergen, something that would cause a problem for someone with asthma, right? Half of them affected asthmatic or ex uh, experienced asthmatic symptoms just from the water. There's no reason for them to have had any adverse experience, but half of them started developing the symptoms. Interesting, right? 12 of the 40 had full-blown asthmatic attacks from water. They were all given a new inhaler that was said to contain asthma medicine that was just water, and they all improved. 
It's like, okay, the study's over. Here you go. Here's your actual medicine. <sighs> Just kidding. But they all improved. The conclusion to that one was there's medical evidence that the patients respond to suggestion in a similar way to actual medicine or allergens. Suggestion. See, suggestion is the strength of the enemy. And in fact, that's the only power that he has, is to suggest things to you. If the devil could show up and put a tumor in your body, we'd all be dead. If he could make you do things, you wouldn't be in church. He works under the power of suggestion. You become hypnotized by the lie. And the predominant uh, responsibility of a Christian is to persuade your heart of God's truth so you are not led away by these suggestions, by these lies, by these, even if it's not the enemy, just led away by fear and worry. Suggestion. And then they did this whole study of the degrees of suggestion, right? You ever, you ever gone to those uh, or seen those comedians that hypnotize people? We went to one of those things one time, and I swear, I, it was demonic. I want to start casting devil out of that guy. It was, <laughs> Sarah went, we went, and it was me and Sarah and a friend of hers, and, the, you know, we're sitting there, and I'm like, he starts wanting people to come up out of the audience, and I'm like, no way, I'm getting up there. And so Sarah and her friend, I'll go, and they just... <laughs> They jump up there. I'm like, are you What is wrong with you? We came to laugh at other people, you know. They get up there, and our, our friend, she's about this high. She's Chilean, and she's a powerhouse, and she gets up there. And the comedian, it was funny. He said, I've learned this. I've learned to make them think that they're stuck to the chair because I'm about to say something, and this key word, like potato, is going to make them think that I'm being really offensive to you so when I say this word, they're going to get mad. He said, I learned the hard way. I got to make them think they're stuck to the chair. It was just weird. And so <laughs> I can't say in church what she said. But anyway, <laughs> our friend was, she was like red faced. And this guy would say it. And, and she's like, and he looked, he goes, what's wrong with you? He goes, she goes, if I could get out of this chair, I'd kick your butt. <laughs> and she was mad in minute. And he said, potato, you know, anyway. Another guy thought that his watch was talking to him. You know, he's putting his watch under him. And it just, <laughs> another guy answered his shoe as if it was a phone ringing. I mean, it was bizarre, right? I'm like, I didn't like it. Anyway, so I asked Sarah and our friend afterward, and they were like, well, yeah, I remember all of it. I felt like I was in control. I just kind of felt like I was playing along. You know, it was just, it was a weird thing, the way you can slide into this hypnotic thing. Sin for you is hypnotic. You have slid into this thing where you are following the suggestion of a lie and playing right along with it. And people around you are going, are you crazy? What? Why that? And you don't see it. It's because you are so open to the suggestion that that is, give, that is meeting your need. You want to play along with it. I don't want this sin. Yeah, you do. That's why you do it. 
That's the strength of sin. You like it. You might not like its effects, but you like it. Why you do it? You don't do what you don't like. So how do you break that suggestion? You persuade your heart of the truth. You put on the identity of Christ. You step into God's reality. And it's not magic. It's mind renewal. Amen? Third one, depression. Several studies with a placebo in depression research show, this is just kind of a general one, research that patients on a placebo, now listen to this, all right? So let me start over. Several studies with a, with a placebo in depression research showed that patients on a placebo generated the chemicals in their physiology and in their brain to reverse depression. You know, depression a lot of times is the result of trauma or stress, but there, is, there can be a physiological issue going on inside of your body where your brain receptors cannot receive the endorphins to alleviate the depression and make you feel good. Your body produces natural endorphins, even like cocaine. When you do cocaine, you know, I'll look up like this. When you, when you used to do cocaine, <laughs> there's something, there's a compound in cocaine that the way that affects your brain is it blocks the receptors from pulling back in the endorphins and all the chemicals that get shot out that make you feel really good. And so it's like it's, it invites all these endorphins out and then it blocks them from going back home again and you just run on your own feel-good chemicals. So a placebo that people thought was going to make them feel better, through thought, these people began to produce the chemicals to reverse depression. Now... So then they took this into the area of meditation. And, and there's a lot of technicality in this, and I'm just going to keep it basic. But they developed this idea called, and this is an actual psychological, you can get this in treatment, and, and depending on certain psychologists and counseling programs, they've uh, incorporated what they call mental rehearsal, which really is just meditation, just what the Bible calls meditation, what a lot of people call meditation. So, and it's this, uh, you're taught to combine a clear intention with elevated emotion to give the body a sampling of the future experience. So in other words, I don't want to continue in this behavior. My intention is to be free from this behavior. This is what it feels like to be free from this behavior, and and. The fact that your brain and your body can, before it happens, experience what it feels like, there is evidence to show that your body begins to change to, to, to reflect what you meditated on. Even to the degree that DNA will change and unlock you know, that's, that's a big uh, field of research right now. They're trying to unlock genes to, like, people that have, uh, like, uh, Down syndrome or something like that. It's like a gene suppression, trying to unlock that gene to correct the issue. They've shown where this mental rehearsal exercise can unlock certain genes and change physiological issues and diseases in the body. 
that's just science. You know, there's no new age hoodoo guru to this thing. I mean, it's just, just, they're just observing these types of things. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we add the element of truth to this, right? We don't just have a desired future intention. We have a defined truth and a promise that should be reflected in our lives, right? Like we're not just making up a future that we want. We're saying God says this about who he is. He says that this is who I am in Christ. I want to reflect that. That is my desired intention. So I'm going to meditate on that truth of me in him to the degree that I feel it right now. And then you start to slide out of that hypnotic state of believing that lie and that desired future truth that's already true of you in Christ begins to reflect into your life, transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, I'm telling you, this is why the theology that says that you're a sinner gives you an excuse to not transform. You're not a sinner in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You might behave sinful, you might do acts of sin, but by nature, you have been changed into the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? In your spirit and in this heart that's directly connected to God, that's who you are. You just haven't had that experience outwardly yet. And you can meditate on God's instruction day and night. Feel it in your heart. Meditate. You know, there's an element of, there's an element of it being real to you in your heart in meditation. See, meditation doesn't make it true. It's already true. Meditation makes it believable. And then all things are possible to those who believe. So a key element of meditation is, it, does it seem possible? Is it possible that I could experience healing? Is it possible that I could be free from being broke and worrying about money the rest of my life? Is it possible that my spouse can change. Now, see, then you take another little step there because your hope can't be in somebody else's transform transformative path. Your hope has to be in God. But is it possible to you? See, because how you treat them changes. You ain't never going to change, you old worthless thing, you. I don't know why I even married you. Where's those divorce papers? You... But if it's possible, you get to walk in love, which is just what they need. I'm preaching like 12 sermons in this thing, and I'm telling you, it's like, <laughs> I'm just going to read some of this <clears throat> just to make sure I get through it. When you pray according to God's word with consistency in what Jesus accomplished at the cross for you and in you, here's a question. Do you believe you've already received? In other words, so when you pray, are you waiting for God to give something to you or are you affirming that it's in you in Christ and you're stating the fact that it's already been given to you? What's prayer for you? you trying to get it or state that you already have it? Prayer should be mind renewal more than it is asking God to give you something that you don't have. This is why understanding your completeness in Christ and your new covenant identity is vital. You must know that you are complete in him and he is withholding nothing from you.
from you. Amen? If it's legal that Jesus paid for it, you have the right to expect it in your life right now. Not just stuff, but character traits. Displays of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, patience and self-control, gentleness, right? Self-control is a big one. It is not faith to say, God, if you want me to change, you'll give me some self-control. <laughs> it's faith to say, you've placed your spirit within me. One of his fruits is self-control. God, I yield to you. I put on who I am in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I need self-control. I don't need you to give it to me. I want you to live within me and live through me. And I have the experience of being free from this thing. No more. So how's this apply? You have to live a life. I mean, you know, you got a life to live. You have goals and you have a calling to fulfill. You know, you have a job to work. You got kids to raise. You have spouses. You know, you have real life. How does this stuff apply to real life? You need to be able to, in every day life, exercise self-control over your thoughts, your doubt, your fear, your weaknesses, and turn to God in your heart in such a way where you position yourself to yield to his transformative grace for correction, instruction, strength in your inner man, and the expression of his capacities or gifts toward others. Now, that's like a long paragraph that I wrote that I'll post it up on the blog this week. By the way, we're going to start putting up a weekly blog on the church website, which is now forward.church, so www.forward.church. Uh, there'll be a weekly blog for people that are life group leaders to use that in your life groups or just to go back and review the sermon notes. That'll get up probably around Tuesdays, and I'll put that statement up there. So do you have a consistent method to do that? Whatever it is for you, meditation must be an integral part to stop at any point in any situation and yield to God's influence to follow him. Do you have a method to apply that? You want that? Amen? You amen in me? Make it fast. They show up in your hand? Oh. Like, let me see. <clears throat> I hear you, though, right? It's attitude. Uh, see, because the thing is, it's not that your keys magically appear. It's that when you're free from fear, you're able to follow. God wants you to know where your keys are. Are you kidding me? He cares about that kind of stuff. All right? So, because you need to be able to do that, when it's time to go to work, when you need your keys, <laughs> when your spouse needs to know that you love them, can you get over yourself? I mean, we, it's like we have these blinders on. It's like, I'm, I'm hurting so bad, I don't even see what you need over there. Then you end up in counseling, and it's like, I don't even know if I love this person. I don't, even, they don't, I don't know that they love me. It's like, well, I can see why. They got this horse blinder on. They're so selfish. Can't get over themselves. All right. 
Just saying, it's almost every counseling session. So when your neighbor, you need this, this is when you need to be able to arrest yourself, exercise the self-control, yield to him, have this meditative process in place where you choose this future. You're not choosing a future. You're, you're deciding that God's truth is going to be a reality in my life. And I'm going to believe in that direction and it will manifest into my life because I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm just going to take the truth to renew my mind. Amen? I'm going to, I'm going to draw on the database of God's truth to renew my mind and expect transformation. And there is even physical evidence to reflect that as I do this, even my physiology will change. That means your desires will change. That compulsion that you think is animalistic in your flesh, it can change. Your skin is not your nature. There's a whole other teaching. You ready? Sermon number 13a. There's a difference. Two different, there's two different applications of the word flesh. One is this skin. Another is the old man that's dead and gone, right? You can think in according to that old man, but this skin is not inherently sinful. It desires what you think about. It might desire to go to Disneyland. It might desire to, drop to drive to the wrong side of town and drive around doing something you shouldn't be doing. It's, your skin will desire what you think about. You don't have an inherent evil part within you that's fighting for sin. I mean, it's a big one. I know it's like a, you can hear the theological split. <laughs> so how can you engage in this kind of transformation? We're not talking about dead works or getting into our own strength or flesh or psychology where we're, you know, mind over matter. We're just talking about what does it look like in this day and age to have a little bit more understanding of the process of transformation through mind renewal. We're talking about the expectation to actually experience transformation through the renewing of the mind. One of the clearest examples of this process in action is Joshua 1.8 that we've gone over. And, and so Joshua's process, again, instruction is in your mouth, meditate on it day and night, act on it, and expect prosperity and success. So last thing here. The process of transformation, or the science of transformation. Process is, and I've kind of combined this idea of Joshua and what Jesus teaches here about believing that you have received. So, and again, I'll post this up because I want you to have your own method. If this is not your method, develop something. Have some consistent way where you are engaging in mind renewal with an expected transformative result that reflects who God says you are in Christ. Amen? You're a disciple of Christ. Discipline yourself. This is one, you can use this. Define, there's four points here with some subpoints. Define, and I should have made notes, but I'll post these up. Define your desired future, which is obviously in agreement with God's word and his promises. This goal may be a passion, a calling, or a behavior you want to change. So this is my desired future result. I know that I can legally expect this because it's right here in the word. So you got to go find the, in the word this reality. See it as an actual possibility for you. Because Jesus said, those things that you ask for, believe that you have received. 
Think about that. Believe that you have received. So do you see it as possible for you to be free from whatever this thing is or to have the provision to actually step out into that desired, you know what I mean? Believe that you have, is it possible for you? And not just, well, I think that might could happen or I hope that might happen. I hope that'll happen one day. That's not hope. That's not expectation. Is it possible? Does it feel like, man, this could happen? I mean, like you wake up tomorrow and it's like, really? that didn't happen yet? I'm really surprised. There's some times where I'll meditate, and man, I'm telling you, I am so aware of Christ that when I open my eyes, it's almost like a shock that he's not standing in front of me. Man, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Find scripture that affirms your expectation, or the other way around, go to scripture for your expectations, specifically who you are in him, and meditate on it until it feels true. There should be an emotional shift within you. Your inner world should shift after you meditate on truth. Start with peace. Just start with peace. Jesus said, I give you my peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Can you stop, set your heart on him, meditate on the fact that he's given you peace, and then feel peace? I mean, I'm telling you, your world would change if you could just stop freaking out, sit, relax, relax your body, take some deep breaths, and connect to the peace of God that dwells within you. Just start there. Just start there. And then go from there, amen? Uh, so affirm that the transformed you that you imagined is the real you. That's the real me. I am not this sinner. I am not this person that lives in lack. My God desires to meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I'm oppressed of the devil right now, Jesus. I need you to do something. You know what I mean? Like, I am the, all that old word of faith confession stuff. See, it used to be done to try to get God, to try to move God, to do it for you, right? No, that's baloney. Confession is an affirmation of what's already true. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But then your heart's like, uh-uh, don't, look what you did last night. Look what you want to do right now. And, and so I'm telling you, there's a fight. There, you, there is a fight for your mind going on. And it's up to you whether you're going to stay hypnotized or let the spirit of the living God deliver you from that thing. And, and, and it's a push-pull. It feels like one step, you know, and then you, you know, I can't articulate it, but do you, do you know what I'm saying? It, and it's a fight, and, it's, and it's sometimes it's challenging, and it's difficult. You're not doing it in your own flesh. You're not even really fighting the devil. You're resisting against those years of lies. And, and maybe there's hope for me. Maybe this can be, maybe I can experience God this way in this area. You know what I mean? Where it's real. God's truth can be real for you. What area do you want to experience it? There's this relationship that you get to. I'm telling you, it's going to feel like you want to give up. It's like I'm not getting any, I'm not gaining any. And when you do this, that stuff that you've been burying in your heart for a long time is going to come up and smack you right in the head. Uh-uh, we ain't changing. 
and you just give up and you just stay the same. And usually most people just settle for their sin. We do, we just settle. You'll begin to have hope that you can experience change. You'll begin to think thoughts that lead you to that end. Physiologically, your brain chemistry will even change and you see options differently in the world. You let yourself be exposed to different things. You know, there's all kinds of issues that happen when you because you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will hear God's leading more clearly. It'll feel like more of a natural expression for you. Transformation. Because where we're going, which is to stop limiting God and to actually follow him into those areas where he's calling us to reflect his glory, we got to deal with some stuff. It's an ongoing process. And I'm not just talking about sin. We're talking about all those emotional things that keep you bound up all day long as well. Right? We want to reflect his glory. Meditation, some form, in some way, has to be a part of your transformative journey where you hold his truth to the degree that an internal change happens and it becomes possible for you and it will produce results. Amen? Will you do that? I'll post these processes up and we'll get it to you. If you're not on our email list, make sure you get on it because we'll email that out as well. But let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for giving us your righteousness, for making us as accepted with the Father as you are. The old me is gone, dead and gone, dead and buried. I don't want to behave that way anymore. I want to change my mind. I want to repent. I want mind renewal to happen to such a deep degree within me that I I literally reflect your character and that all of the fruits of your spirit are evident in my life to be a good steward of this spirit that you've given me. I trust you. Just tell him you trust him. I trust you, God. I don't understand all this. I'm not interested in and mapping the human genome and trying to figure out how to reprogram ribonucleic acid. I just want to change. Jesus, I trust you. Just just practice it right now just for one moment. Just just kind of, just relax. You know, I, I don't have to figure it out. Don't have to make it happen. I'm in the river with you and your spirit is leading me and guiding me into truth. I'm just going to keep walking with you, Jesus. You said that when it's heavy, come to you. Your burden is easy and your yoke is light. I'm walking with you, Jesus. But I trust that this process is happening. Real transformation to reflect your glory, to move into those areas where I've been limiting you and see some incredible things happen, to see the expansion of your kingdom in this earth, to walk in love toward others. Yeah, maybe you're in here, you've never received Christ. You've never said yes.